Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Matty D. Hey Kieran, the good guy takes the ring of power for himself. What a jerk. What a jerk indeed. Someone should throw him into a volcano. Absolutely, someone may do. Or bite their finger off. But if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to the show because that is a spoiler. And yes, it is. And somewhat quite fitting, wouldn't you say? I was going to say, really? But now that I think about it, yeah, it is kind of appropriate because we're talking about another medieval fantasy... Fantasy question mark. ...movie of a similar kind, the upcoming Pixar animated feature Onward. Yes. I had no idea this movie existed. I remember explaining it to you or trying to explain it to you as we were leaving the studio... As we're leaving the bar. Yeah, okay. I was trying to, (laughs) I was going to put our problem drinking under wraps for for at least one episode. But as we were walking out of the bar, because we went and had a few drinks after the show. Post show drinks that we usually do. That's basically tradition at this point. I was trying to explain it to you. I said, oh, it's a medieval fantasy set in modern day. It's a Pixar movie. Oh, and by the way, the dad is a pair of pants. And that was the last thing I left you with. You were walking away as you said that too. You were like, and by the way, the dad is a pair of pants. And I was like, what? It just left Manny D standing there (laughs) on the footpath, looking confused as I walked off into the distance. Just on the street corner, just with a confused look on my face. But yeah, you're you're right. The dad is a pair of pants. Yeah. Much like cow and chicken is what it reminded me of. (laughs) Yeah, with the parents are just disembodied legs. legs. Yeah. Yeah. Or Charlie Brown. This is an interesting concept, though, isn't it? This fantasy in a modern setting. I remember they did a TV show, like a Netflix TV show, that was like the Lord of the Rings fantasy world set in modern time. And like the, I can't say were, I'm familiar with that. It was Will Smith. Will Smith was in it, and he was a cop. And then oh, there was, a, was that bright? Yeah, and it was terrible. It was so bad. I remember a lot of people were really excited about that show. Because it looked like, cool. What a great concept. It looked like a great concept, but it was shit. Oh, wait, we're doing a kid's movie. I shouldn't swear in it, but my God, it was bad. Too late now, but anyway. (laughs) What's funny is Pixar always does this thing where they say, look, this concept that we've come up with that no one has ever done before, and then within two seconds, either you or I are like, hold on, we know this TV show or this movie where they've (laughs) done that before. And I'm sure this isn't the first time that they've had a medieval slash modern setting, like a modern medieval setting in a fantasy world. Not at all. This is not even the first time Disney's done it, right? Like there's been magic set in the modern day. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Princess and the Frog. Yeah. I don't know if that's really an appropriate choice, but anyway. I was like thinking bedknobs and broomsticks, but I guess like... Yeah, Mary Poppins, but still that's not quite modern day. I mean, not the same. If we were talking about classical or modern theatre, you'd say it's a modern setting, but still, well, if there's cars and houses and... Mushroom houses. And people speaking English, then I guess you could say it's modern. Yeah, I guess so. So do you know the history behind this movie at all? Uh, Not at all. I'm only going off what I saw in the trailer for this movie. I don't really have... Probably the best bet. Any, uh, my guess is that someone thought this was a good idea. Someone slammed this on the writer's table or the, you know, production table and was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's pump out a movie. Would you believe that it's partially based on a true story? In what respect? (laughs) There were two elves, two elf brothers. No, the director, uh, I think he was also the person who came up with the concept, uh, Dan Scanlon, who was the director of Monsters University, if you ever saw that Uh movie. His father died when he and his older brother were very young. I think he said he was about three at the time. Right. And he found a tape of his father speaking. And the only words his dad said on the tape were hi and bye. But that gave him the idea. It planted the seed in his head for this movie. Uh, Okay. And how does this connect to what we see here? Uh, I'm surprised you haven't put it together yet. But I think he had a fantasy. Like he imagined, he sat down and imagined what would happen in a world where you could bring your father back through through magic. What would you say to him? What would the father say to you? And that's where the idea came from. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess so. What is the deal with Pixar movies these days? I don't feel like they were always like this. So I suppose you could argue and say that I was wrong. But why is every Pixar setting out to be a tearjerker these days? Well, that's kind of their thing. I, I always thought that was their thing. It was always... I guess Toy Story didn't really have that until the later well, not movies. not really in the first two. Yeah, yeah I think exactly. the third one was the first one exactly. that really went you, for the heartstrings. You can tell this movie is going for your heartstrings. Absolutely. Yeah, big time. I guess that's to make it more appealing to all audiences and I suppose to teach children valuable lessons as yeah. well about loss and grief and well, overcoming ev- obstacles. Everyone's still talking about Up, how much of a What, what a great opening scene it yeah, had and what a forgettable rest of the absolutely. movie it was. Oh, come on, Up was okay. Yeah, everyone's just giving it credit for that first scene. Well, maybe that's Everyone what you do with this movie. forgets that there's a full movie <laughs> after it. That's so what maybe, you do this movie. I think this movie, if I could just throw out an early prediction, mm, this yep. movie's going to have a heartbreaking final scene, mm. I believe. I'm sure you agree with me. Oh, maybe. And then everything else in the movie is going to be somewhat whimsical and fun. And wacky. And wacky, yeah. Well, there's a character who's a pair of pants, for Christ's sake. So I think we can yeah. imagine the straight dad. away that it's wacky. By the way, does the dad have a name? Not in my prediction. <laughs> I gave him a certain name, but he Father. doesn't have a character name because he doesn't have a voice actor, I don't think. Well, he does have a voice actor. Well, he does. His voice plays on the tapes. Yeah, exactly. So, obviously, he speaks and, and I don't know, will we will and he I'm come back to life? I'm presuming we're going to see the rest of him that isn't just a pair of pants We'd and he'll have so. a voice actor, but unless I guess was, they want to keep it quiet? Unless, I don't know why. Unless it was like a twist ending. Oh, oh I, I know why they're not doing it because they want you to question the fact of whether they're going to complete the goal or not, if they're going to be able to get the father back. So, they don't want want to reveal that he's in the movie just in case that spoils it for anybody. Yeah. That's what they're doing. And it could be someone like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I have to hazard a guess. I mean, it doesn't sound like Ryan Reynolds on the tape, but... Neither did the dad in Pikachu, but anyway. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Detective Pikachu. That's right. Yeah, interesting point. The dad kind of looks like an elf version of Markiplier to me, if you know the YouTuber Markiplier. I kind of thought he looked like Jimmy Neutron's dad. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But with a beard. Yeah, with a beard. That's right. I keep forgetting he has a beard. A Markiplier beard. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's the premise of this movie, right? Like yeah. two elf boys. They're yeah. elves trying to magically restore their dead father. Yeah, for 24 hours. Hooray! Hey, Pixar! So the father left them a magic staff behind as an heirloom. So once their youngest son hit his 16th birthday, once both sons were over the age of 16, they're able to use this magic staff to bring back their dad for a day. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know from the trailers this goes wrong and he's only brought back partially as a pair of pants and presumably a working set of genitals, but we won't go down that track. The wife would have been happy for So his wife was like happy. (laughs) But the sons, they were like, we're not interested in his lower half. We want everything above the belt, thanks very much. (laughs) So he can compliment us and see how handsome we've grown. His wife is just like, oh, this is exactly what I want. <laughs> this is better than when he was alive. No, stop it. All right, this is all a children's right. let's, movie. Let's just get these jokes out of the way. But at this point in time, there are three trailers for this movie. Yes. Uh, it's very, very generous with its promotional material. We get a lot of information about what's going on, a lot about these two characters as well, a lot about the characters in the movie. So this is an example of when, you know, unlike other times, we've actually gotten a lot of information about yeah. uh, this movie. So I feel like they show maybe 80% of the movie mm. in the trailers, or at least 80% of the plot, yeah. we can presume, in the trailer. So I felt fairly confident in predicting this movie. Yeah, me but too. we could be eating our words come whenever this movie comes out, May or whenever it is. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it worse though, because like the pressure is on because I'm going to feel like an idiot if I get this wrong. Yeah, I think the devil is in the details. Mm. It's what little things we pick up that, you know, the average person might have missed when watching the trailers. So yeah. what thing did you spot, Maddie D, that audiences are going to be like, oh, I had no idea that was going to happen. But you're going to be so smart because you'll yeah. be like, I knew going uh, in. Yeah. So that's the difference between us 
than the average movie-going audience. <laughs> it's the little details. So, now that we know what the movie's about, should we talk about who's in it? Yes, let's. And then dive straight into our plot predictions. Because there's some uh, returning characters. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited because this is one of the first cast lists that we've had in a while that doesn't have a million people in it to credit. Yeah. There's only like eight people in this movie. In fact, there's seven. There's seven credited people in this cast list. And also, at least there's actors that we kind of know Yeah, this one, which is nice. I mean, most of the time we know who they are because mm. there's several that we're going to talk about I mean, for the second or third time. I mean, they're known actors being voice actors, which I know how we both yeah. feel about this. But yeah, I, anyway. We've said in previous shows that we feel that voice acting should be left to voice actors, not physical presence actors. But again, it's about putting bums on seats. Can't get upset about the Adams Family again. <laughs> So playing arguably the lead role of Ian Lightfoot is Tom Holland, who of course we've discussed in Spider-Man, Avengers. Far From Home. Yeah, Avengers Endgame. Welcome back, Spies Tom. Spies in Disguise. Oh, yeah, he was in that. And the dog in Dr. Doolittle. He was in that too. Wow, he's quite present quite in the show. isn't he? We were only talking about this off-air last week, but Tom Holland, he's got a long way to go to get out of this typecasting rut that he's in. He's not going to be able to play the dorky 15-year-old forever, but I think he is the sort of quality actor who will be able to transition into other better roles You called him uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, he's suffering from Leonardo DiCaprio syndrome. Well... Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't suffer from Leonardo no, DiCaprio he syndrome. Um, he suffers from Academy Award winning actor syndrome. <laughs> it took him a while to get there, though. Yeah. I think Tom Holland can get there one day. Right. He just needs to get out of this rut of, of always being cast yeah. as the quirky, cute, nerdy guy. He's doing a lot of 15, voices. even though well. he's in his 20s. Yes, exactly. He's got a very distinctive voice. Mm. He can voice a lot of teenagers, even though he's an adult. Now, the two actors almost go hand in hand, but playing his brother, Barley Lightfoot, in an interesting piece of casting is Chris Pratt, who, yeah. again, we've talked about about before he was in Avengers Endgame as well most people know him these days from Guardians of the Galaxy but he's also Star-Lord. from Parks and Rec yeah. you're a Parks and Rec fan where he was fatter where he was fatter and he's fatter in this movie yeah he is They've made I guess because he sounds fat. Is that why they cast him? I don't know. But he does very much seem the the cooler older brother type. Really? That's what you get from it. Well, I mean, in comparison to Ian, the mm, character maybe. of Ian, everyone's cooler, but he's <laughs> like the cooler dorky older brother. Yeah, I get a big dorky vibe from this character and as well. Isn't that just Chris Pratt as well? Mm. Isn't that the character he always plays? Yeah. But I'm sure, again, he'll be able to branch out if he really wants to. He can't play teenagers as much anymore. <laughs> he doesn't really. But When did he? I- Never. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, Probably just ha- I'm still having a go at Tom Holland here. Now, here's someone we've never discussed on the show playing the mother of the two brothers, Laurel Lightfoot, mm. is Seinfeld's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. How exciting. I can't think of anything else that people would know her from. No, I can't either. I don't think I've seen her in something for, for years. I always thought she played Meg in Hercules, but that turns out to be a completely different voice actor. Did she do her own TV show? Oh, yeah, she yeah, did too. she did. I don't remember what I it was. I, I never saw an episode of it, but I, I do I vaguely I saw... remember. She was like a, a grumpy, middle-aged, sort of bossy mm. boots woman. Yeah, so, that's wait, right. That was a Seinfeld character. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah, she was basically Elaine from Seinfeld, but in a starring role. Yeah. I was going to say, was it Cougar Town? But that was Courtney no, Cox. No, no. It was, it was the name of the character. Was, was it? the show name, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, Whatever the character's name was. Job. We're doing. We're really showing our research here. I thought Elaine from Seinfeld would have everybody's bases covered. They should know who she is from that. Yeah. Maybe not modern audiences, but who cares if they listen or not? Anyway, <laughs> I'm teasing, of course. So the last major character that I wanted to talk 
about playing Corey, the Manticore, is Octavia Spencer, who we discussed before alongside Tom Holland in Doolittle, where she played Dab Dab the Duck, if you remember that. Great character. I mean, I assume. The movie hasn't come out yet. I'm just projecting because Dab Dab looks like a lot of fun. It's just about to come out, isn't it? I know. How exciting. Oh, wow. I completely forgot about that. I think either next week or the week after we'll be be able to see Dr. Doolittle in cinemas. But if you remember when we discussed her in Dr. Doolittle, I said she's probably most famous for being the woman who signs up Spider-Man for the wrestling match in the original Sam Raimi (laughs) Spider-Man. As well as hidden figures and the help in some other acclaimed movies. There's a lot of Marvel feeling going on here. Yeah. casting. Except for Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Except for her. Now, the last three people I wanted to mention all playing cops is Ali Wong as Gore, a fawn cop, Lena Waithe as Spectre, a cyclops cop, Mm -hmm. and Mel Rodriguez as Colt Bronco, a centaur cop. I don't think they're playing particularly major characters in the movie. They don't really appear in any of the trailers. Ali Wong's been in our show before. Except for Colt Bronco, who was sort of like, I'm going to give you to the count of three, and then starts scuffing his hoof on the ground. Mm -hmm. And Ali Wong, yes, we've discussed before. I can't remember in which episode, though. So it's somebody with horse legs, someone with deer legs, and someone with an eye? Yeah, a single eye. eye. Yep. Oh, the shenanigans. The Uh, shenanigans. I only worked one of those people into my plot, but that was just going from the trailer. (laughs) All right, should we get straight into our plots? Yeah, let's. Is it you? It's me going first this week. How do you feel? I feel fairly confident. All right, go for it. We're going to probably have the exact same plot, by the way. Yeah, I can almost guarantee it. But I'm really excited, as I usually say when I think we're going to have the same plot. I'm really excited to see what exactly our differences are. The brothers kill each other. Well, it's a Cain and Abel fable after all. So I think the movie will open up with an introduction to the world of the movie, with Ian and Barley's father narrating it. So we're going to see how it was in the times of yore, (laughs) when there were wizards and warriors and centaurs running free in the fields. And then, of course, we hear in the voiceover, this is Ian's father speaking, that the world... to be full of magic quests and heroes but now everyone relies on technology rather than magic and we transition into modern day just like at the start of most of the trailers and we see that the father's voice is actually coming from a tape that Ian is listening to I wonder if this is going to be a lot like your Adam's family prediction where a big focus was on the badness of uh, technology and lack of tradition and suburbia yes wait it is almost exactly the same <laughs> plot now that I think about it it wouldn't surprise me now actually, maybe it's your own it. personal bias though So this modern fantasy setting Mm. that we're introduced to is the town of New Mushroomton. Where is it Ian, really? Yep. Is the, well, Did you make you that up? No, or? no, that's a real thing. Where Ian and his mother Laurel live. <laughs> what lazy writer wrote that? Well, it's the guy whose father died, Ruddy. Do you have a bit of sympathy? Whoops. Well, no, he actually didn't write it, but he came up with the idea. So we can blame one of the no-name yeah, writers for that. One of the no-name writers. So New Mushroomton is a parody of modern suburbia, as we just mentioned before, in a medieval fantasy setting. We have a series of gags that introduce us to the world, including unicorns as raccoons, basically. They go mm-hmm. through people people's garbage, lawn gnomes doing lawn care, and a satyr house painter, etc, etc. What's a satyr? A satyr's like a little goat person. Okay. Half human, half goat. Was that what... Philotides um, was in Hercules. Yeah, Danny DeVito was? Yes. Right. I thought he was a fawn. Man, this is confusing. No, he's a satyr! They're basically like fawns, but I think fawns are more bestial. Right. I don't know, they're not real. They can be whatever you want them to be. So we're then introduced to the Lightfoot family with Ian Laurel and Ian's older brother Barley, who arrives in his van. And Barley is obsessed with late 70s slash early 80s metal, which typically had a strong focus on heroes and magic. 
So naturally, he thinks that the times of old are unironically cool. Radical, man. So if you listen to any sort of Dio or Rush or anything like that from the period, they're always going on about dragons and heroes and stuff like that. So I think that's where he gets his obsession from. We also learn that today is Ian's 16th birthday, and Laurel reveals that their father left them a wizard staff and instructions for a spell that will bring the father back for 24 hours. Ooh. This looks so much like Gandalf's staff, by the way. Yeah, it does. It's like, wouldn't they try to make it look a little bit different? It even has the spot for the little light-up crystal for when he's in the cave. No, don't spoil the mind. <laughs> but before the boys can bring him back, Laurel informs them that only licensed wizards can practice magic. So they'll need to hire one tomorrow in order to perform the spell. <laughs> What? That's just a little detail that I think will work into it. Okay. You'd have a little bit of a hurdle there, a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. The two brothers are crestfallen that they have to wait another day, so they take the staff up to Ian's room. So the staff needs to be powered by a rare magic gem, there you go, in order to cast the spell, and Ian remembers that his father left him one as a keepsake. Ian inserts the gem into the staff for safekeeping, but then is shocked when he grasps the staff and finds that the spell starts automatically. Unfortunately, Daddy Lightfoot is only partially brought back as a pair of legs before the brothers lose control of the staff and accidentally break the magic gem. So, of course, as we know, Man, the dad is now only... the magic gem as well. Well, they actually show it, I think, twice in the trailers, oh, yeah. very briefly. But I knew it had to be involved in some way, so this is only just speculation. Mm. So, as I said before, we know that the dad's a pair of legs, so Ian and Barley sneak the legs out of the house and set off in search for another magic gem in order to bring back the rest of their father before the 24-hour time limit is up. Luckily, Barley knows of an ancient adventurer known as the Manticore, who might be able to give them information on the location of another gem. As they travel in the van, Ian makes a dummy top half of their father out of Barley's clothes, leading to several scenes of wackiness throughout the movie, where he just sort of slops around and looks like a strange limp person. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing, isn't it? Yeah, and they put sunglasses on him too. It'd be weird if they put one of those, like, mannequin heads on him. Yeah. I guess that would be creepier. You know what kind of confused me with this movie, with this premise, is why couldn't the spell just be bringing your dad back to life? Why did they need the pair of legs following them around? Uh, Because that makes it funny. Okay, well... When people talk about this movie 50 years from now, when they reflect on what an excellent period in time 2020 was. There was a pair of pants. They're like, you remember that movie? You remember Onward? No. The movie where the dad's a pair of pants? Oh, yeah. I guess this is how I found information. It's a classic. It's how I found information on this movie when I forgot the title and I Googled it. So I guess. (laughs) You forgot what the movie was called? Yeah, I forgot what the movie was called. I told you, I was calling it Inward and I was like, where is this? You were calling it Upward. I literally put in the search bar, movie about pair of pants, Tom Holland, and found it. Oh. Excellent. I'm glad I gave you that detail. Otherwise, you'd be like, Kieran, I can't do the podcast. podcast. Can't do the podcast this week. I don't remember the movie. (laughs) So, our heroes arrive at the lair of the Manticore, which from outside looks like a standard medieval cottage or tavern. But inside, it turns out to be a Chuck E. Cheese style family restaurant where the Manticore is an overworked waitress known as Corey. Corey tells them that they can find another gem in the dungeons of an abandoned castle in a far-off land. But first, they'll need to find a map to show them the way. Corey is then interrupted by a fellow staff member who's dressed in a Manticore mascot costume, and she finally snaps. So all the pressures of <laughs> daily work life have finally got to her. She can't deal with being harassed and harangued by all the staff and the patrons all day. She snaps. So Corey rips the mask of the mascot, sets it on fire with her fire breath, and starts a rampage throughout the restaurant. The restaurant naturally burns down as a result, and the two brothers flee the scene in their van. But before they can make it out of New Mushroomton, (laughs) Barley's van runs out of petrol. When using the spell to grow, the petrol can doesn't work, resulting in Barley being shrunk down to a 
pixie-sized figure, they walk to a nearby gas station instead. So I saw that gag in the trailer there. Yeah, and then I had to pay attention to see if he was still small throughout certain <laughs> and points was he? in the trailer. Yes, he was, he oh. was. Meanwhile, Laurel, the mother, notices that the brothers have gone missing, grabs the family sword. This is just a big old medieval-style sword that they keep yeah. around the house. Every as, household as a, in Old Mushroomton. Yeah, exactly. New Mushroomton. They have it sorry. as a keepsake has from one. old times. It's a family heirloom. She grabs the family sword and goes after them in her car, worried that they'll get themselves into trouble. Too late. At the <laughs> side of the restaurant fire, Laurel comes across Corey, who tells her that she told them where to find the magic gem, but had neglected to tell them about a dangerous curse that protects the gem. Fearing for her boy's safety, Laurel calls the police, and Corey joins her in her pursuit of the two boys. The gas station that Ian and Barley come across is in the middle of being ransacked by tiny fairy bikers who accuse Daddy Lightfoot of wanting to start trouble when he accidentally appears to be staring at one of them. (laughs) The boys fill up their gas can and are surprised to find a road map in the gas station which shows them the way to the ancient castle. But before they can pay for the gas, Daddy Lightfoot accidentally bumps into and knocks over the fairy bikers' motorbikes, leading to a chase scene. Barley is still tiny at this point, so Ian is forced to drive for the first time with instructions shouted to him by a tiny Barley. How old is Barley, do you think, in this movie? Oh, like 18? 18 or 19. Right. They manage to escape the bikers by cutting across all four lanes of the highway and ploughing through the guardrail. At this point, the spell on Barley finally wears off too. Like, poof, he's just back. He's back to normal size. Yeah, yeah, because at no other point in the trailers or anything else I've seen was he still small at this point. Imagine if it worked on the gas, it would, like, disappear. Yeah, it would shrink down in the yeah. tank and they'd be out of gas again. So rather than taking the highway directly to the ancient castle, Barley pressures Ian into agreeing to take the path to peril, which is a much shorter route through the countryside, but far more dangerous. The boys come across a canyon after going through a beautiful forest, a canyon that they need to cross without a bridge. So Ian uses the magic staff to conjure up an invisible bridge, which he has to believe in. He has to believe in himself to be able to cross it. Like Indiana Jones. Yes, exactly like that scene from The Last Crusader. It's like, the penitent man will cross. And he's able to cross the cannon and lower a drawbridge from the other side so that Barley can drive the van over. So I think Ian's whole journey in the movie is that he doesn't believe in himself, so therefore he's not able to effectively use the staff to do magic. Okay. So up until a point, he can use the staff without a gem to just conjure magic and do spells, but only really powerful spells need a gem. I guess basic spells. I've got this book of spells with them, which I just think is something that Barley keeps around. Barley isn't able to use the staff. He'll try to use the staff's magic, but he doesn't have the same effect that Ian has when Ian grasps the staff. So Ian is like the chosen one. He's the only one who can use the magic. Barley can't use it. So Barley has this little book of magic spells that he keeps going, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you did this spell? But they always go wrong because Ian doesn't believe in himself. But this bridge scene where he conjures up the invisible bridge, believes in himself and walks across it is the first time where he starts to believe in himself. So that's basically his journey in this movie. So we're all teary-eyed or we're all like clapping. Yeah. yeah, We're like, he's finally finally starting to believe. Because we're all going on this journey with Ian. Yeah, of course. Now, as soon as the two boys reach the other side of the canyon, they are pulled up by a centaur policeman who orders them to get into his patrol car. What was his name? Ford Fairlane or whatever it was? Colt Colt Bronco. What a cool name. Colt Bronco orders them to get into his police car. He's going to take them home. And Ian tells the policeman that they'll come quietly, but first he just wants to get his father's tape out of the van. But this is all a trick, and as soon as the brothers jump behind the wheel of the van, they take off, leading to another car chase with a whole bunch of patrol cars. The Lightfoot brothers are able to evade the police, but they crash the van as a result. So I think they'll do some skillful driving, going over hill and dale, they'll lose the police, but then slam into a tree, and the van's totaled which forces them to walk the rest of the way. Thankfully, the ancient castle is nearby. Oh, thankfully. They can see it in the distance. 
They venture into the castle and make their way through the dungeon where Ian has to overcome his fear of unicorns. So he also doesn't like unicorns the same oh, way that really? you, you may not like raccoons or rats or any okay. sort of vermin creature. These are feral unicorns. Though. Yeah. I don't blame him. Yeah, well, they're the size of regular horses, so you'd oh, be scared they... too if they did chase you around and they got horns too. They would totally do that because it's silly that he's scared of unicorns. Yeah. So Barley encourages him, says, come on, man, you've got to get over this irrational fear of unicorns that you have. And so he's able This to... irrational fear of these beasts that yeah. attack you. And could probably hurt you really badly. Yeah. But anyway. Irrational. We've got to do it for dad, man. <laughs> My gut's leading me the way to dad. Yeah, why does his gut lead him to dad? That's a fat joke. Okay. Laugh at the funny fat man. So once Ian's overcome his fear of the unicorns, they locate the magic gem down in the very bottom area of the basement. Maybe it's in one of those chests and they, they got to open it and goes... But as soon as they pick up the gem, they unleash the curse. So a green mist causes the rocks and rubble in the dungeon to form into a giant stone dragon, which immediately starts chasing them, attempting to toast them alive. Ian tries using the magic staff on the dragon, but it has little effect. Just when it looks like all hope is lost, Corey swoops in with the boy's mother Laurel riding on her <laughs> back, and the duo start fighting the dragon. I guess you so, could say she wasn't resting on her laurels. No, she wasn't. <laughs> oh my god. So Laurel managed to follow them all the way there, because it's on a map, so it's pretty easy to find <laughs> yeah. where they're going. And also she's with Corey, who knows the way. I'd love it if she took the proper route, not the route of peril. And yeah, got there faster. I think she did. <laughs> yeah, I think she did. If you can imagine it, Laurel's flying around saying, I'll save you boys, whacking the dragon around the ears with her sword while flying around on the manticore's back. So at this point, Ian realises that in order to save everybody from the dragon, he'll need to use the gem in the staff to be able to unlock its full potential. But that means he won't be able to bring back his father's full body before the time runs out. So the 24 hours is almost up, the sun's beginning to set, but the sacrifice has to be made for the greater good. And Ian puts the gem into the staff, believes in himself, and is able to banish the dragon forever. Yay. But, oh man, I didn't get to bring my dad back. I guess tearful. they're ending this movie on a downer. Yeah, tearful music swells up. But all is not lost, Matty D. Stop oh, your what? crying. Stop what? your crying business. I thought it was all done for. Since after a tearful moment, Ian realises that he had the magic inside him all along. Ew, and he's Kieran. able to bring back his father through the power of his belief. The power of love? Yes. So his power from inside, his love for his father, yeah. wells up and basically, yes, and forms its own magic energy at the end of the staff, and Daddy Lightfoot is able to be brought back to his full form. So in a tender moment... <laughs> Imagine if it was like the milkman, like the mother's like, oh. <laughs> uh-oh, <laughs> what a twist. Uh-oh. It's clearly like the neighbour. <laughs> Daddy Lightfoot tells his two sons in a tender moment that he's proud of them, and he blows his wife a kiss before vanishing again permanently. We all cry, and the family returns home. Somehow, throughout this adventure, the world has relearnt to embrace magic. So I guess everyone was inspired by the two brothers journeying to rescue their dad. So they've come to, to love it again. They've come to go back to the ways of old. But this time, they use the magic in conjunction with technology, which makes the world a better place. So instead of relying on fossil fuels, they can use magic to power their cars. They can <laughs> brew potions instead of depleting the yeah. world's natural resources. They use a staff to charge their phones instead yeah. of power outlets. Exactly. And everything's a better place. It's actually all just going to be a metaphor for imagination. It's like, even though we have all this modern technology and we live in a fast-paced technological cyber society, we still have the power of magic through our imagination. So that's ultimately the message of this movie. That's clever. I never put that together. Well, that's just my interpretation. Right. We'll see when the movie comes out. That just might be no, like, fuck you might magic. Be on, you might <laughs> Technology be <on> <laughs> is wrong. <laughs> go, go buy the McDonald's toy and see the movie. Shut up, kids. <laughs> 
So Ian decides that he's going to become a wizard when he grows up, and he and Barley end the movie by setting out in a brand new van on another adventure to get something as simple as fast food or something like that. Right. So they're like, we're off on a noble quest to go to White Castle. <laughs> That's somebody else's noble oh, quest. Yes, of course. But yep, that is my plot for, I forgot the name of the movie like you did, Onward. Yeah, Onward. All right. I'm excited to hear your plot now, Matty well, D. Listen up, Kieran, and you might be surprised. This may seem very familiar to you. <laughs> of course. All right, so here's how it, here's my plot of Onward. I think for the, a lot of it, it's very, very close to your plot, but it differs here and there. So here we go. Here, we're going to open up with narration, and it's going to be a cold open, and the narrator explains the origin of magic and the land and how... Not really a cold open if it's a flashback. Uh, okay, well, yeah, not really a cold open. I, was, I said, like, open up cold. We get narration saying the origins of magic and how it's used and how over time the magical lands became reliant on technology. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's given is because magic was unreliable, people didn't know how to wield it properly. Yeah. Only specific chosen people, I, I'm presuming. I'm just adding to your plot now. Only specific chosen people can be magic wielders. Well, I think just magic is unpredictable. It's hard to learn. It's like a discipline. Right. Yep, okay. It's Remember I said that you needed a wizard's license to be able to do it in my plot? <laughs> yeah, I love that. But don't worry, Ian's going to get his wizard license. Oh, is he? So. He's going to be the wizard and yeah. Barley's going to be like the knight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is where we see everything that's established in the universe. And then we cut to present day. Day where Ian is listening. Present day, New Mushroomton. New Mushroomton. There was a point in me that thought that maybe this movie could have been set in the 80s, but I saw someone on their phone and I was like, oh, definitely not in the 80s. Because he's listening to a cassette and the cassette is marked Dad. And Ian looks solemnly at a picture of his family that are all together. This is our moment of sadness. A moment one, of what, reality. There's only going to be one moment? Absolutely not. Not in my one plot. One of many moments of sadness. But because we can't linger on a sad thought too long, Barley enters and wishes his brother a happy birthday. I'm imagining him coming in with a self-made cake. It's falling apart. My Hagrid. And we all laugh because he introduces a much-needed comic relief. I forgot to mention that they have a pet dragon as well. Yeah, that looks really cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not going to be in the movie that much, but still. I don't think so either. So Barley will mention Since something. To, according to my plot, they have to kill a dragon <laughs> at the end. It'd be like killing a giant dog to them. <laughs> Didn't think that through. (laughs) So Barley will mention something about the time because it's going to be early morning. This will lead Ian to do a Man, I'm never up this early. (laughs) This is getting wasted and banging elf chicks. Well, maybe maybe he just got home himself because he's come I'm up. Still to, drunk, man. <laughs> he's come up to wish. I'm still high, man. He's come up to yeah, wish um, wish his brother a happy birthday. And when Ian realizes what time it is, he goes, "Oh no!" And then like a Marty McFly, oh, I'm late for school. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because. This is what's going to lead to a wacky montage as Ian's trying to go on his way to like work or school. It doesn't really matter what. It's irrelevant, okay. but he's going to go Wizard through. Wizard school. Yeah. I don't think wizard school's a thing here. Okay. But he walks through, he runs through, he stumbles through his suburban town, and this is where we get to see all the colourful characters. We get to see a little bit of the world. We get to see the unicorns flying around. We get to see different characters. We're all going to be very amazed. Maybe they're more like seagulls. Yeah, maybe. Sorry, that was a pointless diversion. Just world building Ibises. Yeah, Yeah, good point. So nothing really important will happen here. Uh, where Whether Ian goes to, I imagine he has like a McDonald's style job or he goes to school where there's an interesting teacher that is a fantastical creature, but eventually returns home and his mum will greet him and wish him a happy birthday. After Ian talks about wishing his dad was here, Ian's mum... His mum's like, oh yeah, nearly forgot. Oh yeah, I forgot there was this one thing, right? She'll say, you know what? The time is now. She's going to go upstairs and bring down a magical staff. Now, Barley will geek out about this because a huge part of his character will be loving magic. He's like, we're up 
to the witch. Yeah, he's going to be a massive uh, magic fan, much like in your plot. Mm. So Ian's mother will. It was not- a metalhead in my plot. Yeah, but still. So Ian's mother will believe that this is an ornament, but it'll come with a note that'll explain the whole. This is a magic staff, and this is done to cast it's a spell. It's a crude drawing of my legs, which half my body, which, then my head, which will make me appear for twenty four hours. And Ian's mother doesn't believe this because she says your dad was an accountant. He wasn't magical at all. How can he pull this off? I don't believe any of this. This is just a, a a nice thing he must have written for you as a as a child. But it's just a it's just a nice little heirloom for you. We'll cut to a scene where Ian will listen to another tape. It'll be called Dad Two. Uh, Hi, son. Me again. And it'll talk about the father longing to see his sons all grown up. I believe but, that. So wait, wait. Why did the dad record that tape? Was he terminally ill at the time? Did he know he was going to die? I don't think we'll. Or ever... maybe he was just like, man, I can't wait to see the people that you guys grow up to be. Yeah. Maybe that's more likely. I think so. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever know what happened to the father. I don't right. think in these kind of movies you never kind of do. Whether it is the father knowing he's going to die and recording his thoughts, that's possible. Or whether the father is kind of. He He's an accountant. He's kind of like a normal guy, but deep down, he's kind of like this kid. He's he loves right. that he loves magic. He's and he loves love doing magic. Yeah, he loves doing creative things like recording things for his kids later. Recording in the podcasts. Yeah, recording podcasts. He's a podcaster <laughs> ahead of his time because he did it on tape. Exactly. Or maybe he just like not as many downloads, thoughts. but you know, he, he really had a passion for it. So Ian's hand will rest on the staff, and the staff will react. Hello. Yeah. Hello there. Bali will enter the room at this stage. He'll be amazed. He'll be like, "Oh my god, man! The staff is reacting. You should totally do that reappearing spell we saw like a few seconds ago and bring Dad back. It'd be excellent." That's my uh, Bali. You don't there. think they have a. a Why wasn't I voice cast for Bali? I'd have been great. I don't know. What, what's that? You don't think they have a gem there that yes, they put in it? Yes, I'm getting to Okay, that. sorry, I'm preempting. So there is a gem in the staff, Kieran. We, oh, so it maybe. came with one, did it? Yes, it came with one already. Prized, I didn't see it in the trailer. <laughs> I've decided it's in there. Okay. That's one last point from that. Anyway, <laughs> move on. Well, maybe it appears when he yeah, touches it. Sure. Leave me alone. I thought I was really clever by putting the staff in there. You mean the gem? The gem. The staff as well. Okay. <laughs> so Ian targets the staff towards, I guess, nothing. And then all of a sudden, the pair of pants starts to appear. Bali gets really excited about this. And he goes, I want to help too. And he jumps in and he grabs the staff as well. Now, because Bali touches the staff, it doesn't finish the spell. Right. Now it just this, cuts out. It just cuts out. Now, obviously, Ian has some sort of genetic power. He's the chosen one. That's, that's what I said. That's why the staff sort of reacts to yeah. him. And this will be a huge conflict in Bali's character because he loves magic, yet when he tries yeah. to do it, he ruins everything. Ian's the more reserved, shy character who isn't really interested in magic no, he's while not Bali's really obsessed with it, except fate has dealt him the hand of being the chosen one. Exactly, Where exactly. Bali gets diddly squat. And this was Bali's dream and he doesn't get to participate Fuck at you, all. Dad. In fact, he ruins it. He ruins the whole thing. He ruins a lot of things in my plot, by the way. Oh, okay. So they decide for whatever reason to keep this a secret. I mean, they kind of did the wrong thing. They resurrected the father, their father. So Only the, half of him. And during this time, the gem that was in the staff shatters. It's like, oh no, what are we going to do? So they decide to disguise their father and exit the house. And they've left their beds all padded up to make it look like they're like sleeping. They're sleeping. They're, exactly. Of course they're going to do this in this movie. So they realize they have to replace the crystal in the staff. Now, Bali goes and tells them about a creature that he's a massive fan of. And what was this creature's name again? Because it's just Corey. Corey. Yeah, but what was it the- It was a manticore. Manticore, yeah. So they say we should visit the manticore. That is Corey. And Corey is a fearless adventurer of old. So in the years that passed, she was a huge adventurer that went on many quests, but now spends her time busking tables at a fantasy-themed busking restaurant. Busking tables? 
Yeah. You mean like waiting tables? Yeah, exactly. Because busking tables would mean she comes around and like sings, while, <laughs> like annoys people while they're eating until they give her money. <laughs> Maybe that too. I, I'm thinking it, this is like one of those medieval style restaurants where the, the drama is part of the... Oh, okay. You, you know what I mean? Like a dinner theatre restaurant? Yeah, almost, almost. I think they'd play into that. So they come and they ask Corey for help. Corey, uh, at first, is kind of reluctant about it. I don't think she's going to get mad. She's going to be very pent up. I think something will happen. Guys, I don't have time. I've got nuggets to deliver to table six. No, I think she's going to be very happy in her job. Someone will, like, sit on her tail or something, and she'll react the way she does in the trailer where, you know... Like a cat. Yeah, exactly. Like her, like she breathes fire, and she's like, "Okay, you got me. Look, here's what I'll do. I'll, you know, I listen to you guys talk about the story about your father. It kind of speaks to my heartstrings. So I'm going to give you a map of where to find this magic crystal that you can replace. There's tales of it being up in this mountain. Oh. Uh, so if you go down there, if you go up into this in mountain, the fires of Mount Doom. Exactly. You you can get this magical crystal, and I believe that it should make your staff work again. So that's it. They have a quest. So off they trot, and Barley decides he wants to go on the dangerous route because there's on on the map the there's path to peril. There's path to peril, and there's path to safety. Despite the highway, because I heard in the trailer the highway was faster and more safe, but it might have been I might have no. He said there. that the highway goes straight there, but the path to peril is faster in the long run. Ah, right. I thought that was just him being stupid, but yeah, oh, maybe Could it be. is faster. We'll see. So Ian says, no, we should take the highway because that's where they're going to go. And in the meantime, highway or the highway. they're going to need gas where they go into a gas station and have a run in with comedically tough, I put in quotation marks, mm. pixies. This causes into... Pixie biker chicks. Exactly. Wonderful. Yeah, pixie bikers. There's a altercation, and I think you're pretty much right in how the altercation goes down, yep. but essentially they get uh, into By the way, they chase. have their dad's pants on a leash at this point. <laughs> walking around on a leash. So there's a chase that ensues, and that leads to the brothers who are in Bali's van veering off the side of the road and entering the wild countryside. They're far from the suburbia or the civilization that they know. Exactly. So we cut to the mother. She's understandably worried when she realizes that the bed is just full of pillows. Yes. I don't think this was a smart idea on the brothers at all. I've got and a tape deck in there that's just got snoring sounds on a loop. She decides to go track down the boys. And this is where she finds Corey. They have a conversation where she Did asks- Did the diner burn down in your version? Did the restaurant? No. Okay. No, I didn't notice that in the trailer if bye that was bye, a thing. Bye-bye points. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. The, the restaurant no, isn't no, there. No, okay. no, the restaurant isn't there. It's burnt down. Uh, I didn't mention that before, but the restaurant is also burnt down. How did um, it burn down? Corey burned well, it let's down. Just, let's, just say, <laughs> let's just say my version, it burns down. Your one, it doesn't. Okay. So you, you ignored all those firefighters and <laughs> the burning building in Completely. the in the trailer. So, okay, no worries. I don't think the building's burnt down. Oh, it's her career that's been burnt down. <laughs> no. She got fired. No, she's Literally. still- Literally. She's still working. She's still working in that restaurant. Or, or whatever that restaurant may be because the mother will say hey come with me we need to track down my sons and Corey will say no no I, I can't do that and the mother will give a inspiring speech about you know who you were you were the Manticore or whatever it's called you slay yourself dragons. in the mirror what you, do you see I see pride yeah, it's, I and see she, power and then Corey's going to be swelled up with emotion at this stage and she's like you know what you're right I used to be the best adventurer in the world let's go find your sons also she forgot to tell them about the curse also I forgot to tell 
tell you about the curse. So the rest of the movie will be just them visiting cool places and interacting with funny or wonderful characters and sometimes dangerous characters. Mm. Yeah, I won't go into what that will be. Couldn't so, be bothered writing or, any, or speculating so, what any of that so is. So use your imagination. All in all, it will have no effect on the plot. They'll be arrested at some point by a group of police. Uh, that's the police we've already mentioned earlier. They're all going to yep. be in my plot. like a comedic... No, we mentioned oh, at the start of the show. you mean like the Cyclops cop? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Fawn cop and the... Centaur cop. Centaur yeah. cop. Yeah, so they're going to be a team and they're going to work together in comedic effect. They're going to sort of bumble around and argue with each other. That's going to be their kind of characters. Yeah. Um, I got my eye on you, exactly, says the Cyclops exactly, one. Exactly, exactly. But they have good intentions and they decide they want to take the boys home because they're two young, young brothers. To be charged that as are adults. Out on their own. They're like, we're going to take you back to your parents. Um, oh, sorry, parent. Parent, whoops. <laughs> well, your dad's kind of well, here. Your dad's here. We can read his ID. That's I reckon, in his back pocket. I reckon that's going to be a gag too. I reckon they're going to pass the dad off as like alive. It's like, yeah, look, our dad's here. He's, he's sort of alive. He's half alive. And and it'll be like the dad in the pillow armor that he's that they've made for him, the pillow body. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah he's totally there. It's like, but the police will, they'll be like, you got you to go home. You got to go back. Maybe it's to do with the encounter with the pixies has drawn attention to them. Yeah. But the brothers will decide. And I think by will inspire Ian to go against his better judgment and better instincts and decide to go on the run and continue on their quest. So they're being pursued by the Pixies, they're being pursued by the police, and they're being pursued, unbeknownst to them, by their mother and Corey, who are one step behind them. So yep. we'll In see their them. little green family car. Exactly. We'll see them going places, and then we'll see the mother and Corey going the same place, visiting yep. the same scene a little while behind. So there will also be a moment of heartwarming where the brothers will be talking by a campfire and be able to cheer each other up and talk about their childhood whilst they're out in the wilderness. Jeez, how many days are are so, they on this 24-hour trip for? No, it's just one day, I reckon. Okay. So they start at night. Yep, the start sun at night. comes up. They're like, let's light a fire now that it's daytime. This all happens through the night. Okay, fair enough. Okay, yep. I'm with you. It's coming to the next day. So and when the police go to arrest them during the day, it's going to be retroactively nighttime in the actual movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the campfire scene happens okay, before, yeah, okay, I'm before the All police right, yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say what order they would be in. I just said stuff happens. So they get to the mountain, and just when they think their quest is achieved, it turns out that this whole thing, well, they believe this whole thing was a hoax because where they come to in the mountain, it's a tourist site. It's a gift store. Oh. And they're like, oh, we're looking for a crystal. And the guy, there's going to be a quirky character there and he's going to be like, or she's going to be ooh, like. Big summer blowout. You're like, yeah, we got heaps of crystals. What do you want? We got ones for $5. We got, you know. And they'll be like, oh, man, we thought this was going to bring our dad back, but it's just a gift store. <laughs> And Ian will get angry since a lot of these uh, blunders were Barley's fault and they've added up to his breaking point. So the two will have a fight. Uh, they have their standard third act breakup. Yeah, Barley will decide that he's going to take dad to the top of the mountain despite him not being able to use magic. He's going to take the staff. He's going to take his dad. He's like, I still believe. And he's going to walk off. Ian will bounce. He'll leave, but he'll run into the police and he'll surrender himself and say he's going to go home. Ian will tell the officer, I reckon it might be the Cyclops or maybe it'll be the the one with horse legs he'll tell the officer about his mission and about why he was out there and he'll be very defeated and the officer will turn around and tell Ian I remember when my dad was a pair of pants and drive him back up to the mountain and says you've got to see this through kid now initially I thought this might be the mother's role but I'm going to say it's the police officer because he needs a good turn. well he was right. always a good guy but it's all, it's a nice little thing yeah. for him to go like nah actually. he needs the power of the law behind him exactly exactly so Ian finally meets up with the bumbling barley but before they can reach their gem they get attacked by a golem that manifests. It's not a dragon in my plot. It's just a big stone golem. Jewish monster. Which is, uh, well, yeah, exactly. Is it really? Yeah. 
Oh, there you go. So I always thought it was just a colossus kind of creature, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. modern day appropriation. Because there's going to be no bad guys in this movie. This is just a guardian of right. the ruby. So Ian decides to distract the golem and Barley manages to get a sword out. I'm going to say that they have a sword with them and then vanquishes- it's that same one that the mother had in my well, plot. Well, he knighted um, Ian. So obviously they have a sword at one point. Yeah. So he manages to vanquish the golem and this is his moment of heroicism. So he got well, to like save the stabbing day. Stabbing it to death or cutting its head off. Yeah, he just knocks it and it just like goes, and then, you know, vanishes. (laughs) It might be too brutal. So the brothers embrace. We see that the effect of this. This tender moment. This tender moment. Or I'm going to say like the gem reacts and then magic sort of. Where is this gem coming from, by the way? Did they pick it up at the gift shop or is it just hovering here at the top of the mountain? Yeah, yeah, it's just hovering at the top of the mountain. So they go to the gift store. The gift store was like. They're all fake. Like at the foot foot of the mountain. Right. But then Bali keeps going up and this is where he gets to the top of the mountain. Genuine gem. Which is the genuine gem. So they were right. It was actually there. Ian just lost hope. So the effects of this creates a wave of magic that goes throughout the land. And they get the gem, they put the gem in the staff, and we reappear the father. The father comes back and we have a tear-jerking moment, which everyone, including myself, will cry. And the father will Not me, say I'm a big boy. that they never needed I'll anybody. I'll have my arms folded and my eyes will be like <laughs> squinted tight, being like, mm, you will not get you'll, me. You'll totally cry. I know you will. You'll, yeah. you'll just pretend you we'll didn't. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Did someone cook onions Bonus in here? point. Yeah. So the father will say he'll have a moment with each of the sons. And by this stage, everybody who's been chasing or pursuing the brothers will be in at the top of the mountain, which includes the mother, Corey, the pixies. They're all good guys now. They're all right. on the same page they're all you know they're all crying they're all like yeah they're all crying everyone gets their moment with the father as the day is about to end or at least this 24-hour period is about to end and the father will tell each of them that he loves them that he's proud of them each of the sons that is each of the not all of the pixies and the police yeah i love you i love you i love you and also obviously the mother as well and he'll say you all you need is each other all you need is love and he'll vanish into the magic which he came from and then we're going to end on a lighter note because can't, all the kids have like they've ruined their t-shirts at this point with exactly, tears. Exactly, exactly. Their so noses are all snotty. We're going to leave with Barley and Ian going on a new adventure. Hey, sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah, exactly. What that will be, I'm not too sure, but they'll be like, "Hey, we found this other map." And then it'll kick start a sequel. Oh, yes. And then we'll have a jazzy, upbeat hip-hop version <laughs> of a song. Wow. I don't think it's that kind of movie. I think it'd be more like upbeat pop rather than hip-hop. Maybe. I don't know. Because it is Pixar we're talking about. Yeah, maybe. They don't generally lean in the hip-hop direction. Yeah. And that's my plot. There and you go. to be honest, I feel kind of confident. I yeah. think... I'm, I like I'm, it how it's basically identical to mine, except there's a golem in it instead of a dragon. Yeah, I know, right? Well, yeah. I thought dragon as well, but I was like, it can't be a real creature. But then you made it not a real creature too. So I think we're pretty much on the same page here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess we'll find out who's actually correct when we revisit the movie down the track after it comes out but i suppose if you the audience have an idea of what you think is going to happen in the upcoming pixar movie onward you can let us know at several places you can leave us a comment on this episode's page if that's where you listen otherwise you can send us an email at potential spoilers pod that's pod that's all one word as well at gmail.com or you can find us on facebook you can send us a post there or a private message just let us know what you think By the way, because we haven't pointed it out in a while, I just want to remind everyone that we're basically on every podcasting platform, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Podbean, of course, as I just mentioned, Stitcher, Spotify, 
Tune in radio of all places, <laughs> among other several amazing, not to be at all discounted podcast hosting services. Yeah. So wherever you listen, you can listen to us there. You don't have to just stream it through the same boring old site if you don't want to. <laughs> you can be a bit adventurous with your podcast yeah. service. Whatever suits you, it's available. Yep. We're here for you. Where do you listen, Maddie D? I just listen to Apple Music. Okay, fair enough. We're yeah. on there so you can relax. The normal podcast app. You mean like the original podcast yeah. app? Apple iTunes. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. Anyway, before we go, we should tell everyone what we're going to be predicting next week, which movie's plot we'll attempt to flesh out. And that movie is the sequel to, when did it come out? A couple of years ago, a a, a very popular horror movie, I think from last year. It might have been the year before. But anyway, we're going to be covering its sequel, which will be interesting for me because I've never actually seen the original movie, A Quiet Place 2. Oh, yes. I remember that movie. I've seen it. Do you remember when it came out? Uh, yeah, it was only like a year or so ago, right? I feel like it only just came I out. I feel like it was last year. But I always I mix like it up with Bird Box. Oh, that was the TV l- show, right? No, it was no. another movie with a very similar premise, but they're where probably they, entirely different movies. I haven't seen either of them. They can't see, right? They can't, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. They blindfold themselves. And I think in a quiet place, they just have to be quiet yeah. to prevent the aliens from finding them. Yeah, the monsters have oh, well, really good hearing. Come this time next week, I'll know all about it. So tune in to hear us go through that. And see you next week. 